Hey, I'm John. And I'm Becky. And this is the We Are For Good podcast. Nonprofits are faced with more challenges to accomplish their missions and the growing pressure to do more, raise more, and be more for the causes that improve our world. We're here to learn with you from some of the best in the industry, bringing the most innovative ideas, inspirational stories, all to create an impact uprising. So welcome to the good community. We're nonprofit professionals, philanthropists, world changers, and rabid fans who are striving to bring a little more goodness into the world. So let's get started. Welcome, welcome. Howdy, Becky. Hey, John. Julie. <laughs> We got a female powerhouse Power in the house. studio today, <laughs> yeah. and we are talking to Dulari Gandhi, and she is the program officer for the Michael and Susan Dell Foundation, and if you're sitting at home and you're like, Dell, Dell, do I know the name Dell? Not the Dell. Yes. The Dell <laughs> Foundation. Um, and while she's doing that, which to me seems like that would be like a 70 hour a week job, <laughs> she is also the principal founder of D. Gandhi Communications, which is this amazing strategic communications firm that kind of helps nonprofit organizations and social impact um, entrepreneurs do amazing things through the way that they communicate in storytelling. So I am so excited to talk to her today. Julari, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we're so thrilled you're here. I mean, I want to read a little bit about your background, which is so impressive. But if you are someone who is in the grant space today, I mean, this is your jam. This is your day because Mm -hmm. we're going to be talking about how do we bring our best selves to grant applications. And I think that this is just a very intimidating thing to do, especially when you have something like the Dell Foundation or you're talking about the Gates Foundation. I mean, these mega foundations that are moving the needle in such a massive way globally to end um, and combat the biggest crises that are facing um, our world. And so Delari's going to break it down for you because she is a kind soul. We've visited with her just a little bit. She's a good human and a good person. And she's going to take a lot of the fear out and give us some tips. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, thank you so much for having me. It is such a wonderful opportunity to really, I think, demystify some of the things that are unnecessarily mysterious for our nonprofit sector. So I'm really glad to be here and be ambassador for the foundation and, and frankly, for everyone who is trying to break in to some of the more siloed aspects of our work. Um, so just as on background, um, I grew up in New York City um, and left in 2010 to move to DC and do some work there for a while. But in all, I think that you know my work has been really heavily involved in social impact, even before I knew that that's what I was doing, right? And so I think that's the funny thing about it. And as I look back on about you know a little about 12, 13 years of working experience, um, I started as a public health advisor for the city of New York, um, and then did some development work for the Global Hunger Project, which is also based in New York. Um, and I moved to DC to start doing some contracting work for the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Mm-hmm. And at that time was really starting to think about storytelling and public health storytelling and what it means to to share information in a way that's really accessible for folks, right? And that's really what that role was about Um, and just found a passion. I found a passion in that work in a way that I had not found um, before. And I knew that there were lots of strands coming together there. Uh, And so went from there to spend some time at a PR and marketing agency in DC that works directly with foundations, schools, higher education and nonprofits, 
Um, and that was a chunk of time that I spent just creating, creating stories, learning a lot in project management, learning a lot about um, systems, thinking internationally, thinking locally, thinking nationally, um, and bringing all those strands together, again, in that pursuit of making things more accessible and more interesting, and so that you can really uh, influence behavior change. You can really um, give people the pieces that they need to make things better in their own communities. Um, and so all of that has sort of come together and led me to my current home uh, at the Michael and Susan Dell Foundation. And as you mentioned, um, I've been there for a few years now and that work, um, the Dell Foundation works to support youth living in poverty in our cities through education, health and economic stability. And they work here nationally in the US, in India and in South Africa. My role happens to be in our Pathways to Prosperity portfolio here in Central Texas, where I live now in Austin and in Boston. And um, they rhyme, which is always really wonderful to be <laughs> able to that. talk about you're, it in that way. That. Um, yes. <laughs> but I started at the foundation in a communications role. It really was about coming in and wanting to learn about foundations and how do we tell the story of what we fund and how do we tell the strategic vision of a foundation and a funder. Um, and then I was really excited about a year and a half ago to move into my current role as a grant officer working to help our communities gain stability and thrive and um, not knowing all that was coming for us <laughs> in, no the, in the last year or so, um, you know, has really been a lesson in flexibility and a lesson in learning as you go, for sure. It's a new role. Um, the world has changed significantly since I started it, but, you know, we're here every day with the same goals of making things better for youth living in poverty and, and what that means in terms of um, acting with urgency and finding the right programs and helping people stabilize their lives. And so I'm really excited to chat today about what organizations can bring to that process to, to make us all work together in, in greater alignment. I love hearing your story. I mean, it just connects so much when you hear somebody hone in on their passion and figure out how that fits into such a meaningful career. And it just seems like you have just hit the nail on the head with this, you know, blending all of your passions and interest into one space and expertise. So Delari, um, you know, you talked a lot about part of your story is storytelling. And I wonder how that has informed your position now. I mean, as a program officer, I know you think, and how do I position this as a story or how do I break down the most complex issues and make them palatable and, you know, understandable. So could you talk about that? How does storytelling play into a role of requesting a grant or to, you know, coming at this from an appropriate and really effective manner in approaching the Dell Foundation? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, we tend to look at grant applications and relationship building with our funding partners and with organizations, you know, from my perspective with organizations, sometimes I think a bit clinically and I think to our detriment as a sector, right? Yeah. Um, you know, if we are able to think through all the different pieces, almost like puzzle pieces, right? And so, um, if the proposal and the information available on the website and the emails I get sent and the annual report and the data all contradict each other, for example, mm -hmm. that's concerning, I think, for a funder, right? That's something that we look at and sort of say like, okay, is there an internal question about what it is that the organization is going for? And, and then what does that mean for this project that's being put forward? Um, so I think being really thorough with all the different pieces is important and it's important um, because those are all the pieces that you need to tell a good story, right? You need to be able to have the background on the problem you're trying to solve, the data that backs up that problem and what the challenges are in the field, 
you need to be able to have um, really good information about your own vision as an organization, but also the vision of the project that you're putting forward. Um, and all of that is really, really time consuming and sometimes really difficult, but I think worth it in terms of the clarity that will hopefully come from the effort. I feel like there are people listening right now that just had the oh crap moment. Like, <laughs> it, like the grantors are looking at my website. They are juxtaposing it with my 990, with what I'm saying on social, with what I'm doing, you know, on web, they are looking. Um, and when you talk about the Dell Foundation, I mean, this is an organization that's given over a billion dollars away. A that was the the B again, yeah. um, the, the four comma club, we call it. So <laughs> it's like, you have to have your stuff together. And I just think this is such a smart concept that I hope everybody can grasp today is that storytelling is such a transforma transformational part of our business. And we really do treat grants as a transactional part. And that is the wrong approach. If you can look at how we walk into a grant submission, a, a letter of inquiry, whatever it is, you know, it, it is, a, again, it's no different than fostering that relationship with a top donor. And it starts with bringing them to love your mission and giving them a sense of who your people are, the need that you're up against. And while data is amazing, and Dulari is clearly going to be looking at your data, oh, yeah, it's like <laughs> you have got to be able to represent it in a way that, can tell a story clearly, succinctly, and I and I'm gonna guess that as much as it's a red flag that it's if, if that's not being done, it's as much a white flag, green flag. I don't know what the right flag is. <laughs> it's surrender? a positive marker. <laughs> no, not a surrender. It's like it's it's a really positive thing for you when you see it all gel, when you see it all unify, and then you think there might be something here. I'm really interested in this. I want to know more. I don't want to assume that, but that's what I would assume from something like that. So you can discount that. No, I think that's right. I think that, you know, when you have, I like to use, you know, the internet's favorite, explain like I'm five rule. Oh like, yes. yes. The Dunder Mifflin. Yes. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. Like lots of the details and the how is complicated and it should be complicated because social change is complicated, right? So right. I totally understand that it, when you get into the weeds of things, it gets really, really hairy. But if I'm unable to distill the basics down to make everyone around me understand the work, I cannot be a good ambassador for that work inside of my organization. Mm -hmm. And I think as leaderships, uh, leadership in our different grantee organizations and in the nonprofit space, think about program officers as your ambassador inside of a larger funding organization then you really uh, form a different kind of relationship with that person, right? Because that distillation mm -hmm. is one of the primary things I do so that I can then ask what I hope are thoughtful questions about those details rather than spending time asking why the annual report and you know some of the website details and all these other pieces don't match, right? I wanna be able to build on a good foundation of understanding. Uh -huh. And one thing that I really wanted to raise often and early in this conversation is that the onus is on foundations actually to really make this clear for, for organizations. The more information that's out there in terms of a foundation or a funder's mission, previous projects funded, strategy, geography, the better, right? So organizations can use that to make their information fit with all of those different factors. And then hopefully those conversations are starting from a place of alignment and saving everyone some time and energy when time and energy are, you know, these really expensive things in our lives right now. And so, 
um, you know, I think it's, it's two-sided and, and there is really no right way to ask organizations for all of this information if we've never made it clear that this is what we're looking for. So Thank I just, I wanted so to make sure that we talk about that, that piece a little Thank you for that, because I have to tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm a recovering major gift officer and it's like, you know, I, you know, I, yeah, I do. <laughs> and, and it seems that there is this culture in philanthropy where foundations are so routinely shrouded in secrecy. And it's like, I, I can't find their website. Sometimes I can't find their granting guidelines. Sometimes I can't find a phone number because I want to reach out. And it's like, I would also think that if, if that is more widely, um, available, then it cuts down all of our, our time and, and the energy that we kind of are, are expending running around and trying to guess at what that is. So thank you for saying that. And I think that's a really, uh, big comfort for everyone. I want to dive into, um, what you're looking for and what advice you'd have for nonprofits who are hoping to partner with you. Where is a good place for someone to start as they're going to start building and fostering this relationship and they're starting to explore whether there's an opportunity to partner with your foundation on a grant? Yeah. So I think, you know, let's imagine this idealized world, right, where the foundation has put out a lot of information about what they're looking for, what they currently fund, um, where they're hoping to advance their strategy. And also in this ideal world, you as an organization have all of that straight in your own mind, right? Like, you know what you're about, you know, who you want to work for, you know, what impact you're trying to make. Then I think it's really important to really lead from that place of storytelling, right? Being able to put all of those components together to be able to answer, what do I do? How do I do it? How does this project factor into that larger view? What makes this project different from others that are like it? Because you, I think it's important to remember that the sheer number of things that are coming in front of any given program officer is, is pretty intense, right? There's, there's a lot of things that are being thrown at us and lots of ideas and, you know, some of them great and some of them questionable, but, you know, where you can differentiate yourself is really important. You really have to sell this and the best way to sell it is from a storytelling perspective. And I, I, how would you recommend someone do that? Is it with an introductory phone call? Is it a, a little bit of discovery beforehand? I mean, what would you advise to somebody? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, nowadays a phone call is probably pretty impossible to get scheduled or to, to even make happen. I, I think that very importantly to um, most foundations have a have a way of, uh, hopefully have a way of screening applications and getting them to the right person. Um, I know we do at the Dell Foundation, we have something that is available publicly that people can fill out and then it gets sort of, you know, triaged to the right place and, and then we can take conversations forward from there. But I think in that very first interaction, it's important to get those things out, right? Like as much as we think of ourselves as, you know, social good organizations that are about the impact and all of those things, we are businesses. We are businesses that are trying to pitch our work and, and how you do that and first impressions matter because again, not because anyone is out to get you or not because we're mean and just really looking to rubber stamp stuff. I think it's because everyone has thousands of emails in their inbox and yeah. trying to sift through all of it. And the quicker you get to that place of sharing information about your organization and potential impact, the better. I think the other things, and you know, right now we're recording this in the times of COVID and um, it's harder to get out in front of people. We're not at the same conferences anymore. We are not, um, you know, out at the different convenings. Nobody's doing the, the things that would traditionally um, give way to a coffee date or a, you know, or a quick meeting. But I think 
you know, LinkedIn, um, finding people's information um, and what they're interested in and reaching out to them that way. I think um, a cold email can be can help you, especially if it's an impactful one. Um, so I think taking advantage of all the different ways that people are available now and making themselves available now is really important. Um, and also making sure that we're all being as respectful of each other's time as possible, right? Um, I think that it's harder. Everything's harder right now on Zoom. And hopefully a year from now, this is not even a conversation. But when we are in the process of scheduling time to be on camera, um, let's make that conversation worth it, right? Like, let's advance something in that conversation. And if you go into that conversation with that goal, I think it serves everyone. Yeah. Well, I want to circle back a minute ago, you had said, which I thought this was one of the things that demystified for me, is that as the program officer, you become the ambassador in the organization for this, you know, outside organization. Um, I love that. I love that it it brings camaraderie of like, hey, you're, we're on the same team. I'm trying to advance this within our organization. What are you looking for? I mean, what excites you about a project or a potential grant request that you want to go champion it through all the processes or meetings or whatever the steps are internally to move it down the road? Oh, all the steps. Yes. Uh, yes. So I think that, you know, some of the things that we've touched on in terms of, um, bringing your program officer along with you. Uh, I think that, you know, it really is important to remember that funders are people too, right? That nobody got into this work because I want to help you get a check and then I just walk off and I'm hands off. Like this is, if I'm investing in something, it's typically because, and when I say I'm investing in something, by the way, <laughs> let's just be clear that I don't personally have any money. <laughs> but when I'm bringing something okay. forward for an investment, typically it's, maybe a two, three year long project. And my intention is to be heavily invested with my time and my effort and my energy as a partner in that work for several years, right? And I don't really throw that around loosely because that's my time, that's my effort, that's my energy. And so I think that if you think about it, that you're making an application for someone to almost join your organization from the outside as an advisor, as a trusted friend, as somebody who you can be clear with, somebody you can ask advice from, somebody who is hopefully making connections for your organization with other funders is having conversations with other organizations about how there can be some good mission fit, right? If, if I'm being brought along in that way, that is exciting for me. That is something that is um, an immediate sort of, yes, I want to do this for the next two years of my life, right? And I want right. to spend time meeting with you every month and reading your reports and sharing your information with others. And, and that's very, I think that folks sometimes, you know, are chasing, um, the end check, understandably, right? Like we all have limited time, but I think that sometimes then we lose sight of the fact that the person you're talking to and the person you're asking for that money from is a real person that wants to be a part of your journey. Yeah. And um, while I recognize that that's not true for every funder, I know that that's not true for every program officer. I think most of us are in that lane, right? We didn't get into this, <laughs> into this work because we just wanted to sort of sit back and watch it happen. So I think the, the things that are really exciting are the thing, you know, for the most, of course, assuming that you have um, those basics together, right? It's, it's a sector that we care about as a foundation. It's impact that we'll care about as a foundation. You'll know that from looking at all of our projects online, you've done your research um, and then can really sell why me personally, Dulari should be working with you and me personally, Dulari should go into the foundation and say, this is good work and we should support it. Um, that's the kind of thing that'll, that'll really get someone's engines going. 
Hey friends, taking a quick pause from today's episode to say that we just love to connect with you. And the best way to do so is to join the good community. It's free. Just head on over to weareforgood.com slash hello, and we can connect with all the resources, tips, tools, and show notes to help you do more for your mission. We can't wait to get to know you. Now, let's get back to this awesome feel-good conversation. And the thing that's so great about what you just said there is I think if there was a visual that most people had about working with program officers, it's that they're on that side of the table, I'm on this side of the table, you know, at opposite ends facing each other. But what you're saying is, actually, I want to be sitting on the same side of the table with you, locking arms, and we're going to push this forward together. And if we can do it in such a symbiotic way, to me, it makes the next grant so much easier because we have taken it we've completely eliminated the steps of how we work together how we um, access our our data improve impact and it just makes the value proposition so much richer and I just think that that was a really really smart hack so if someone's going to do that and they're going to come over to your side of the table um, and sort of make you an extension of their team you know what would be some things that would leave some lasting impressions with you that would allow people to bring their best selves to the application process? Yeah, absolutely. So I think you hit the nail on the head, right? That we are now seeing um, some very obvious effects of what happens if we think of ourselves on different sides of the table, right? Like we are all experiencing the same things. And so we need to approach these problems from the same side. And I think that the recognition of that upfront is it sounds silly, but actually saying upfront, I want to partner with you on this work, right? Like I'm writing this application for funding, but it's actually an application for partnership. And that's really important because if, if you have internalized that in, as an organization, it comes through in everything you present, right? It comes through in the way you write applications. It comes through in the way you email with a program officer. And I think um, sometimes we underestimate that every communication is a communication, right? right. In whatever quickness that you wrote that email or in whatever uh, mood you were in when you sent it, I'm receiving it the way I'm receiving it. And I think we need to be very uh, on both sides of this. And again, I will bring back that funders are equally um, are equally under the same pressures to make sure that we are keeping communications and transparency and authenticity front of mind when we are dealing with our grantee partners, right? And I think you have to give to get. And so feedback on both sides is really critical. I am always hopeful that my grantees are able to bring their best selves to the application because we've had maybe 10 conversations before you put in anything formal, right? And so it should not be that we are in a position um, where you're putting together an application and we haven't had a number of conversations about what is the best way to position the work? How do we want to present this to my board and my leadership? What's important to me that I want to be able to speak about? And how can you help me craft those talking points with you? Um, how do we get you uh, in the before times? We would have, you know, hopefully a site visit or a meeting with you and your organization. And so um, I'm a big fan of no surprises, right? That grant application, when it's finally baked, sh- there should be nothing in there that I can't speak to at length. <laughs> and that is really important to me. And so I think that that can sometimes be received by an organization um, as uh, nitpicky and as um, and sometimes brings people to a place of defensiveness um, because you're asking all, all these questions about the nitty gritty details of my work. But again, it comes back to that um, idea of being an ambassador, right? And so if I know everything you know, as much as I can know, then I'm in a much better place. And then that grant application is not just you bringing your best self to it, it's me bringing my best self to it. 
And that I think is super, super important. Um, so for me, it really is, I know we talk about it in grant applications because of the phases of work, but there's so much that comes before a grant application. And if you're really bringing your best self to it, then you've been doing that for weeks and maybe months before in terms of building the right ideas and building the right conversations so that when we do finally put forward the paperwork, um, that's really just the last step and not the beginning of a partnership. John, where was Dulari 10 years ago in my life <laughs> that I could have fast-tracked everything I was doing wrong in grants and adopted this concept of what I would call almost co-parenting. Like <laughs> co-parenting. you should not be defensive about somebody kind of pushing back a little on your concept because we both, again, this is our child. We, we want the, we want the child to succeed. We, we want the same thing. So asking those questions is only going to sharpen both of us. It's going to sharpen the end result. And so to me, there's no space for, for having an ego about that. And I just think, gosh, if little Becky Endicott and her fledgling fundraising career could have learned some of these principles early on, I would have been light years ahead. So young philanthropists and young professionals, I hope you're getting something as much out of this as I'm getting out of it. Absolutely. And it's it's uh, no different than cultivating any donor. I mean, but right. it's having that perspective of this is a relationship. This is the long game. We're in this, you know, together to advance this greater cog. So I'm loving this conversation. Mm-hmm. Delari, this is a little bit of a curveball and you just said you'd like to be prepared. So I'm sorry in advance for this, but... <laughs> This has been so public and so huge, but the Dell Foundation made an incredible gift during COVID of $100 million. Um, I wonder if you could speak to just the heart in that and what the intent and how that got fast-tracked, you know, in such an urgent and immediate need for um, our nation and our world right now. Just love to hear a little bit of context around that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and thanks for raising that. I think, you know, so the foundation is um, about, a hundred plus people internationally, right? Like we're made up of a, of a big group of folks that um, is trying really hard to make change in our communities. And I think, you know, our founders have just really stepped up their generosity in a time when we needed it. And, um, you know, our contribution and in concert with other organizations like the Gates Foundation and the Therapeutics Accelerator um, and in vaccine development and where we are in terms of thinking about our grantees on the ground, right, that are providing emergency services, food, shelter, house, you know, all the things that we need. Um, you know, I, can't, I, I would be remiss to speak on behalf of my founders in terms of, of the how and the why and the decision making, but I will say that one of the things that has been really important to all of us who have been sort of given this wonderful responsibility of figuring out how to activate those dollars in support of our communities is that a lot of our existing grantees had to pivot on a dime and are continuing to pivot. I mean, they're practically spinning, you know, like it's um, it's been an unimaginable amount of stress and work on our nonprofit organizations that have had to really think about the people that they serve, had to think about immediate needs, had to put aside some of their, you know, things that were years and years in the making. I mean, you all know, having, you know, worked in nonprofit and worked with organizations that um, the things that we plan for as much as we can plan for when they get upended and and having to respond in a moment to the people who are crying out for help, um, to be able to support those organizations and to be able to put our best thinking and our best flexibility forward for for them and for the work that they do has been an incredible privilege. It has been, um, it's been emotional. It's been, 
incredibly busy. I don't know how else. I, I feel like <laughs> I busy is, is not even the word for what is happening here. Yeah. Um, and and for us, it really is just about showing up every day and being as supportive as possible because those organizations are out there delivering food, they're delivering Chromebooks, they're delivering all the things um, to people who need it the most. And um, really the best we can do is to show up for them every day. That's That's the job right now. And so I'm really thrilled to be in a position to do that. What a kind response. And I, I, I also think it speaks to how savvy a philanthropist your founders are, because that gift was made like the announcement was like April 3rd. And to me, I mean, we were not even 30 days into what we were, we were still in the Weeks. what is happening yeah. and, and what is, what is this look like? And so for them to react at that level, and yet you have, you have this niche over here, you know, for youth and poverty, and you have these geographic things that you're doing, but they came into a space that is really serving every single person that's listening right now. I mean, we're talking about how do we, you know, these accelerator grants for vaccines. I mean, thank you so much, mm -hmm. Michael and Susan, wherever you are in the world, for just being such big thinkers and dreamers to understand that we have to get ahead of this quickly. And while we don't know what this is, we know that it's going to take extraordinary resources and it's going to take many of us coming together. And, and to me, that is the biggest takeaway that I've seen in the way of the light and the hope of a pandemic is that if you are someone who's living in your corner of the world and you're just doing things for yourself, we're not going to thrive as a society. But if we can come together in spaces and look out for one another, even if in your case, Delari with the Dell Foundation, this is a little bit outside of our purview. I mean, it's still kind of in the same vein for sure. But it's like that sort of abundance mentality of we have all got to come together and share what we have and make life better for those around us. It just makes it more palatable to, palatable to be enduring something like this. So I, if, we don't take anything away, which I haven't taken a million things away. <laughs> I just simply want to say thank you for not only the Dells, but the entire team of 100 plus people who got behind them and said, yeah, I'm going to be a part of pushing this forward. And I'm sure you're a big part of that. So again, it's another team approach that I think is just smart. And that's how these big philanthropies are going to be leaving smaller philanthropies that have this siloed thinking behind. Yeah. I will share that um, a couple of years ago, and, and uh, I have pandemic brain, so I can't give you the exact date on this, but a couple of years ago, we came out with um, just a list of guiding principles, right, of how the foundation thinks about social impact. And my favorite one has to be take the risk your challenge deserves. And I think that that is such an important guiding principle because the challenges are big, and so you've got to take risks. And I think that, you know, in front of us, it's like, you're right, that COVID is out of all of our purview, right? If nobody knows how to really, nobody really living right now is in a position to know what it takes to deal with a global pandemic, right? There's no playbook for that. Well, where there are playbooks, I should say, they're, you know, they're not really uniquely suited to our situation. And so Correct. You know, you've got to take risks and listen and learn from everyone around you and be able to say, um, you know, we're here to make things better. And um, I just can't say enough about our founders and the generosity that they've that they've shown in this moment when, when we really, really need it. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you. Take the risk your challenge deserves. I love that. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to add that into our ethos. How can we, we make that We need to put that, that on a napkin or something. A, na- a, a, a disposable. I want sides. something more permanent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> more of like a wall canvas. Fantastic. A coffee mug. That's wonderful. I love that. Um, oh, go ahead. Well, I, I would just, I just have to think that Delari has amazing stories that she's been able to witness in this position, whether it's with G Gandhi communications or if it's with the Dell foundation, is there a particular moment in philanthropy that has stuck out with you or just stayed with you because of its personal impact on you? Yeah, this was a hard one. I, I think it's hard to, to narrow in right on um, on something that feels uh, monumental, but I so appreciate the opportunity to reflect. And I think one of the things that really stands out for me, and I'll, I'll keep it um, in connection to what we've just been talking about around COVID and responsiveness and flexibility, is that um, a couple of years ago, Hurricane Harvey hit Texas and Louisiana in a way that was um, astounding. We had not seen anything like it, and um, the Rebuild Texas Fund was born out of just uh, in, a, in what now we have discussed with um, our founders being just responsive and generous in moments of need. Um, and that Rebuild Texas Fund was spun up so quickly. Uh, I think that um, unless you work in this business, I think it's really difficult to explain um, how many moving parts there are in building up a fund that's in disaster relief in responsiveness and um, I, I think it was in 72 hours or something like that, that this fund was set up and created and, and a brand was built and a website was set up and um, fundraising was in full swing. Um, but what sticks with me are not those moments necessarily, right? Like it was hard and yes, it was a lot of work and it was it midnight in the office, yes. But I think that what sticks with me is that that fund um, ran for a few years and the grant making was so thoughtful and so business-minded and so forward-looking in terms of building resiliency in communities, right? Not necessarily building resilient people because all people are resilient, but building resilient communities. And what does that mean? And I think when we think about the grants that were made there in terms of how are we making it easier for people to get loans to get new cars for cars that were flooded out and we're in Texas and you really do have to drive everywhere, right? How are we making it easier for people to rebuild those pieces of their lives? How are we making it easier for people to um, be in a position where if their jobs no longer exist, uh, how are they getting retrained for those jobs in in a place where the streets don't exist anymore? And I think that some of that, um, the the thoughtfulness and the forward-looking nature of that philanthropy has stuck with me in 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 in, in a big way um, because it really is about um, anticipating needs and it is about at the same time as you're listening to what people are telling you are the needs right now and it has to be both and if you go in thinking that you know how to solve these things um, it, it's almost always a recipe for disaster and so we really worked with a ton of organizations and had a ton of um, support from the community in terms of help us find where we can be the most helpful here. Help us bring in um, classrooms built on school buses um, that can come in from other parts of the country and get school going again while we're rebuilding entire buildings, right? Like what are the smart solutions? And um, so I think that's that's something I think about a lot is what is the need right now? What is the anticipated need? And what are people telling me? And that, that project really brought that forward for me. Cool. 
you're so impressive and such a uh, incredible ability to articulate really complex things. <laughs> so That's I think you're so well suited for your work. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to ask a little bit about your kind of consulting side that you do, because I think it's so mm-hmm. interesting with D Gandhi communication and you need to check out their website. We'll put it on the show notes link, mm-hmm. but um, something stuck out to me that, you know, you said you want to help people match their digital presence to match their ambitions and passions. And I think that's so powerful, you know, working alongside nonprofits for man, 15 years on the consulting side while we're working, we love the side hustle, side hustle piece of things. You know, it is difficult to land that plane. And so I'd love just, you know, your thoughts of how you help um, your clients do that and what's kind of your process of working together. Yeah. Thank you so much for asking. Sure. I think I'm a gen- genuinely, genuinely curious person. I cannot help myself. Like, I just want to be in your business. I want to know everything <laughs> about you. What I want to know, tell you how did you get here? How did you decide to do this work? Why does it matter to you? I mean, I think that in, when you're consulting with a nonprofit organization or with a social entrepreneur, it's very similar in that somebody is here because they woke up one day, maybe not one day, but they woke up and they said, I want to create something that's going to make the world better. And if you can get to the nut of what really moves someone to do that, because it is not easy, right? Mm-hmm. Like being a leader in a nonprofit organization or being a social entrepreneur is not easy work. It is they're long days. It's every day. <laughs> like it, there's no breaks. There's no PTO in that world, right? Like you're generally <laughs> at it all day long. Yeah. If you can get to the nut of what makes that person tick and what makes that organization tick, you can then find a million ways to tell that story, right? You can find all the different things that um, that make that organization powerful, what makes that leader powerful. And then it's just about weaving the story together. To me, that's the most fun part, right? It's kind of like you've got all these different puzzle pieces and now how do we fit those pieces together to make it so that anybody who comes to this website or anybody who comes to your LinkedIn, anybody who comes to your Twitter, your Facebook, your blog, your Medium, whatever it is you've got, that they get it right off the bat. Um, and you all understand that because this podcast does a great job of that. I think, Aww, you know, folks are immediately drawn into what it is that you do, why you're doing it, why it's important. And the guests you bring on, I think, uh, you know, hopefully myself included, are are really helping you tell that story, right? And so digital presence to me is no longer, I mean, you have to sort of on your website say you do digital work, but to me, it's the same as everything else, right? Everything's right. got to tell that story um, in order to make yourself attractive to clients, customers, funders, whoever it is you're trying to reach. I also think that what you said there is just so important about just being an authentic version of yourself in that space. Because if you can do that and and you're not telling people what you think they want to hear, you're not putting out there what you think that they'll want to buy. If you're being an authentic version of who you are then you're going to get your people that are coming to you. I mean, it's the same community of people of like-minded individuals who are also bringing their passion to this space. And if, if they're not, you know, if they're not coming, then they're probably not for us and not everybody (laughs) is going to be on board with what we're doing. So I think that's a, a really good lesson there that anybody could implement. And I had never thought about it that way. You know, the last question that we usually ask our guests is uh, what is your one good thing and um, I, I can imagine that you have a lot of tips around this because I've just been seeing so much 
of the advantage of being a communications professional in your space right now, whether it's right. I mean, the the amount of uh, pulling in storytelling and messaging and being the harbinger of these key messages as you build relationships is just so smart. Um, What would be your one good thing, Delari, that you could share with our community that maybe they could implement today? I think (laughs) I want to phrase this correctly. So I know she's giggling. I can't wait. This is exciting. I think we operate so much from fear, right? And you hit on it a little bit in what you were just saying about bringing your authentic self um, to any situation. And I think in our personal lives, in our professional lives, in our volunteer work, in our side hustles, uh, it's so important to bring yourself out of fear and operate from a place of strength and operate from a place of value. And nobody's perfect at this, believe me. I can say this all day, but there are times, okay, when I sit here and I'm like, ooh, what am I doing now? Who's letting me do this? Who agreed to this? We say this Um, all the time about this business for sure. Exactly. But I think um, if we can all collectively and individually get to a place where we're coming from a place of abundance, you said it earlier today, right? We're not coming from deficit. We're not coming from fear. We understand that there's something out here for each of us and that we can all be successful and we can all thrive. If we internalize that message and we really bring it forward in our work and what that means to each of us, because it looks different for each of us when we're coming from a place of abundance and we're coming from from confidence versus fear. um, I I think that that is my one good thing for as much as we can do that, everything in your life will benefit. And I work really hard every day to try to practice that. I went to Laurie to go talk to high school. I want that kids. as a coffee mug too. Yes. <laughs> like feeling Seriously. your self-worth and again that sense of vulnerability which is something that is so uncomfortable. Right. Being okay with it and knowing that that is going to help us tap into this abundance lifestyle that there's enough for everybody. So really excellent tip right there. So, Delari, how can folks connect with the Dell Foundation? How can they learn more about all the cool things you're doing through D Gandhi Communications? So, Dell Foundation, Dell.org, it has everything there in terms of what we're doing and some of what I was speaking to earlier in terms of we share a lot of information about our projects, about where we work, about our strategies, what we're trying to achieve. And so, please do check that out. It's a great website full of insights and stories and really good stuff around our grantees and what they're doing, because that is uh, so important. We have to lift up our grantees and share the good work that they're doing because we believe in them and we've put money behind their work. And so the stories of what they do, so super important. Please go to Dell.org and read about all of them. They're fantastic. It's only seven letters. It's so easy to remember. I was thinking that is the shortest URL of all time. It's like, because .org is almost as long as the Dell part. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Sorry, we had some we had some built-in luck there in terms yeah, of how that naming sure. worked out. Um, so yes, Dell.org. And we have um Dell.org also has links to all of our social channels. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, LinkedIn, anywhere, anywhere you want to find us, we're there. Uh and for myself, uh dgandicoms.com. Uh it's a it's a simple website. It's just up to help more people communicate clearly about what they're about. And um, I'm really looking forward, hopefully, to working with some more folks who have some good stuff to put out in the world. And I would say, uh, not that I want to bombard you with LinkedIn requests, but go follow (laughs) Dulari on LinkedIn because she posts some incredible insights, articles. And again, you can just see her heart and the 
passion that she has for justice and civil rights and all of the things that we're talking about now. I mean, if you weren't endeared to her during this conversation, you will be if you go to her LinkedIn. So that's just one little tip from me to you folks. Goodness. This has been awesome conversation. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Keep doing your good work. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for building this amazing channel for people to share this information. I think Again, you know, the more we can share and be authentic with each other, the better. So Amen. really appreciate you all for creating this space for oh, us. Thank you. We're happy so to do much. our part. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope this conversation with Delari gave you a fresh perspective on how to approach grant applications and leading from a space of storytelling. Did you know every week we share our best roundup of content, freebies, and notes heard on each episode? Head over to weareforgood.com backslash hello to join our mailing list, and you'll hear from us weekly with resources and tips to help you do more for your mission. If you love what you heard today, would you stop what you're doing and hit subscribe? It really does help more people find us and join our good community. Thanks, friends. Our production hero has simply the best dry sense of humor ever, Julie Comfort. Hello. Our theme song is Sunray by Remy Boarspoon. Go rock this week. Rabbit fans have always powered the We Are For Good podcast, but now Rabbit fans can get even more goodness and access by joining Good Friends. It's our listener support community for the We Are For Good podcast. Good Friends comes with perks, exclusive episodes with John and I, including The Good Brief, our new monthly cliff notes of the greatest takeaways and lessons learned from that month, and exclusive AMA episodes where we answer your burning questions and tap our community of experts. Join now or learn more at weareforgood.com backslash friends. We can't wait to see you inside. That's weareforgood.com slash friends.